Hello and welcome to Leviathan News. It's Monday, August 28th, and it's wintertime, guys. Just pack up and leave. I thought Friday's show was uh, Jailcast. Alex was here to kind of bring the news about what's happening in the legal space. But then we got these special report from the IRS and the Treasury about upcoming guidance for 2025 and 2026. And uh, it's, it, it is this. They're coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> what a thought of the week. I know. So we are all going to have our doors kicked down starting 2025 for operating websites. In a stunning guidance, the I, I guess it's not that stunning. I mean, if you look at some of what Europe has done, kind of their crackdowns on unhosted wallets and some of the previous um, like outreach that SPF was doing to lawmakers and what he had been talking about, it was all about going after the front ends. And that is pretty much what was in the guidance. So Treasury guidance wants to update the definition of a broker to be extremely wide, like uh, just extremely wide. <laughs> like if you think it's, it's, it, it essentially would encapsulate everything that is on a front end right now. Right. Uh, and this would sweep up MetaMask, Etherscan, Uniswap, pretty much any DAP that exists or any product that exists right now that isn't completely open source uh, would be captured under this. And the reason the reason I bring all this up is that the Treasury wants to institute these like new guidelines uh, that would make it where if you're a decentralized protocol or it, providing any sort of services for a DAP or anything else, running a front end, and you have the possibility to institute a KYC AML screening uh for us customers then you have to do it right if you run a multi-sig got to do it uh your metamask and you provide swaps through your app okay got a kyc your ether scan and you allow people to come in and uh execute transactions through your website okay got a kyc um uniswap definitely have to kyc for and this is this goes for anybody that's running a front end if you're a developer and you publish some react code uh, and you're actually like hosting it, well, you get, you need to add like KYC protections on there. And it just seems a little bit crazy, right? Just a little bit crazy. Yeah, I'd say and there's bad news and there's good news. Like the bad news is that like this is uh, Treasury Department, which means that it's, you know, I'm not a lawyer, so nothing I say is legal advice, of course, but like those are like more of the serious ones, the kinds like, uh, you know, th they tend to like, get enforced by the Justice Department. Um, so this is going to be really, really bad for United States cryptocurrency users. Um, basically, like it's a de facto illegalization of cryptocurrency in the United States, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, now, in theory, you can still manipulate it at the smart contract level, but 99% of people don't know how to do that. And Etherscan might not even work under this, right? Um, the good news is that it's such a sweeping ban that it's like almost unworkable, right? Like you can... Uh, you know, you can pass like a sweeping ban that's completely unenforceable and like so broad reaching that it's like um, like comically unenforceable. And my hope is that over time, that's what's going to uh, that's what's going to come to pass. It's like every country that's tried to 
banned Bitcoin in the past, like a few years later, tucked its tail between its legs and was like, okay, that was stupid and rescinds it. So maybe. I think there's, like yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of legal challenges really because like there's, I mean, to <laughs> essentially go after developers who are running a website uh, is it's kind of novel in this sense where like if you take an open source website and you just run a, a hosted version of it somewhere, um, you're like liable for everything that happens through that site, right? Uh, and that's kind of crazy. Uh, so there was a, a, a thread that was published by Crypto Tax Guy. So essentially talked about what we just talked about here, saying that uh, Section 605 of the tax code requires brokers to provide customers with 1099. So like, it's not only that these uh, applications have to institute these like KYC regimes, it's that they also have to track the wallet and then issue 1099s to the IRS uh, with the customer's name, address, proceeds from the sale, and eventually like basis of assets sold. So they have to like track all your, your P&L as you like move assets around uh, and and also back up withhold on customers who don't provide certain identifying info. So this was passed in the, this was actually passed in a bill, uh, I believe last year or two years ago, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act uh, that allowed the Treasury, SEC, IRS here to revise the definition of a broker to include any person who for consideration is responsible for regularly providing any service effectuating transfers of digital assets on behalf of another person. And so a digital asset uh, changes the definition of a digital asset to any digital representation of value, which is recorded on a cryptographically secured distributed ledger or any similar technology as specified by the secretary, right? So like some cryptos aren't really representations of value, right? Like Bitcoin or ETH, uh, you know, some, re some represent like financial positions, like LP tokens, uh, or they could just be like cartoons, right? Or NFTs, or they could be tokenized assets. There's a ton of different like ways of what a token could actually represent. But Treasury and IRS are saying like anything that is tokenized, anything that is a token that exists on a crypto network uh, will have to be, will be captured under this uh, new reporting guidelines. Uh, so that would be stable coins, NFTs, semi-fungible tokens, tokenized stocks and bonds, um, and that would also include other things like memorabilia, which and and customer reward points. So, like if you have airline points that exist on Ethereum, and you tokenize them, uh, you know those are not reportable right now uh, under current U.S. laws. But as soon as you tokenize them, put them on, on Ethereum, now you have a reporting requirement. So it seems like there probably will be some uh, uh, court challenges to this, uh, based on. You can't have two laws saying different things, right? Uh, so I would, I would expect some challenges there. And then he goes into the next part talking about like what a broker is. And that's any person that in the ordinary course of a trade or business stands ready to affect sales made by others. And that's really wide ranging. <laughs> so affecting now would include uh, acting as a digital asset middleman, uh, which is providing facilitated services, like anything other than validating. Uh, who is it in, like anybody that is that is providing services and then also uh, can know the seller's identity, right? So this is like any access to smart contracts. So 
like if they if there is the even infinitesimal possibility that they could affect a token gating website and implement KYC, then they have to do it. And so this could be publishers of DEX sites like Uniswap, wallets uh, like MetaMask, uh, even DAOs. Like if a DAO has like weak controls or um, even a strong DAO, like Lido would probably be forced under this to uh, 1099 all of its customers. Um, multi-sig. So if, if you're in any projects and you have a multi-sig, like the Pepe multi-sig, where it's like two of nine or whatever, we'll get to that story in a little bit. But that would also be caught up. Um, and even block builders, even even people who like earn MEV by block building uh, would have to like geo-block call functions from US IP addresses, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> Uh, and then reporting obligations apply to um, uh, brokers, even if they sit within a chain of other digital asset brokers. So the publisher of a wallet with a swap button is a broker, even if the button just routes into a DEX app whose publisher is also a broker, um, which is kind of kind of strange, right? Because like right now, like you connect to a site through MetaMask, right? And the way that it it generates transactions is it like it effectuate it like creates the transaction for you, but it doesn't actually execute the transaction. So, um, you know, that we, we might be moving towards a, a more terrible UX where uh, you, you'll you be like copy pasting all of the like data, uh, like transaction data, hex data into your uh, fully decentralized uh, like MetaMask variant. And then you'll have to execute that itself. Because like connecting to a site and them generating the transaction for you will probably be a no-no. Um, so brokers will have to report the name, address, proceeds, transaction ID, and wallet address for each sale they facilitate beginning in 2025, and the asset's basis beginning in 2026. That means they have to track like where the asset was first bought and and what it was sold for, and then submit basis. Um, so transaction costs also have to be counted as well too. Uh, there's some stuff in there and there is also uh, like crypto tax guy, pretty much everybody in the crypto space says it's bad law. Um, but I guess it's not to be expected, right? If you were going to shut down the crypto space, like what's the one thing that you would do that you would, you would essentially force everybody to, to KYC and these like wide sweeping regulations um, and then punish anybody who's, who's not like, enacting this KYC AML uh, service. Um, so like he talks about how it's like really unclear. A static website isn't a broker, but a site that generates a code but requires the user to copy paste in their wallet, maybe, right? But a site that like is not static and generates code, well, that would have to be a broker, right? So he says like, how bad does the UX have to be to avoid broker status? why would the broker status turn on UX? So it's 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 really bad. Uh, and I would expect, like, hopefully they take comments, right? Because there's there's comments for, like, the next uh, uh, 60 days on this. And really, like, I, I think the it just seems it just seems impossible to enforce, right? Everybody just either has to geoblock the United States and also geoblock, uh, like, any sort of RBC calls, uh, and really just like fence off from the states uh, or be caught up in this. Um, and if they don't, well, then there's like selective enforcement that can be done 
just like the SEC has gone after like different companies. Like so, if they if they see you breaking one law, then they can uh, levy fines and and uh, penalties against you. Well, on the flip side, that's kind of the good thing about it. Uh, at least so says Austin Campbell, a uh, mm -hmm. friend of Leviathan. He basically like wrote up this story about him being at dinner with someone in a um, semi-allied nation in the United States that says, this is like the regulatory clarity we want. The United States is just announcing no cryptocurrency within the United States. And you know, if the United States wants to like shoot itself in the foot aggressively, it can do it. The rest of the world's going to just move on. Uh, so I'd be curious to hear, like, DeFi advisor, you're not in the United States. Like, are you super excited about this? Like, are you like, this is Israel's chance to steal market share? <laughs> to be honest, it seems like uh, the U.S. Uh, government is doing, like, everything in its power to try to force this uh, field of innovation out of uh, the U.S. This is uh, honestly kind of weird. I was going to ask you guys, like, who are the people uh, behind this kind of legislation? Like, uh, wh what's actually the logic behind it? Like, who actually sees this or uh, thinks about it and says, oh, yeah, that's a good uh, idea. We should definitely do it. Uh, like, why? Honestly. There's like a small cabal of people that seem to really hate cryptocurrency. Well, no, there's, there's a small cabal of people. Well, it's actually quite a large cabal who believe that... Uh, KYC AML reporting in a post 9-11 world uh, should be mandatory for all transactions and that the government should have access and transparency is the word into uh, every single digital uh, and banking transaction that you ever make so that, that it can uh, prevent any sort of illicit funding of, of uh, regimes or uh, people or anybody that they don't like. Or even like if you're engaging in, in slightly like gray areas of economic transactions then you know they would essentially be able to see that and shut that down if it's morally distasteful as well too right and nobody like isn't supportive of funding like illicit regimes to be clear but i think we defer on how to get there because like what the united states is doing is not working um like we've seen a lot of chatter even amongst the administration saying that the united states is at risk of losing its reserve currency status like that's pretty much an open thing now that people recognize mm -hmm. and acknowledge um in my opinion like undermining the like US dollar dominance that it had derived in DeFi by kind of clipping its wings here at this early stage is going to like badly erode the United States's um, ability to lead in this kind of new financial infrastructure. So I think it's um, I think it's hurting the United States to be taking these counterproductive actions, but you know, no one listens to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, maybe it just spurs everyone to just further decentralize and we get rid of a lot of the theater that we have. And yeah, the future is just going to be, if you're in the United States, you can't connect to DeFi sites. United States users will have to figure out a way around if they want to. They'll have to learn to code or something. And the rest of the world is going to build around us. Well, I think there's, I think like if you, if you like download an open source uh, GUI, GUI, right? And you run it locally, uh, that probably is fine. So you could download a Uniswap instance and it is, but it's it. going to knock out 95% of people. Uh, I, I think people, I, I think like something will make it easier for retail to come in. Like look at like what your doing or, you know, a bunch of the other kind of like front end decentralized operating systems that are, that are running. Right. I think there's ways around it, obviously. Uh, it just, it just creates new, um, workarounds that people will have to figure out or you just buy a VPN right <laughs> connect out 
Yeah, I mean, um, we'll we'll see. That could be the next gold rush, right? Like uh, the next uh, VC wave of investment is going to be like decentralized front ends that your mom and dad can use. It doesn't help the user experience, though. No, not at all. Which is like one of the main reasons, right? So, so if this actually passes, then uh, starting twenty twenty five, pretty much every American that uses uh, DeFi is in fact. Uh, criminalized like he becomes a criminal just by uh, using these uh, DeFi uh, apps well it's not that no it's not that the i don't think the user uh, this is more for like applications or people companies right that that profit from these systems is mainly what they're going after um or like DAOs or anything it's really like any any sort of organization uh that is facilitating like transactions uh, on it's, any sort of network to me it recalls the war against like napster and file sharing um where like users were still like you know trading movies and whatnot it was just the lime wires and the like napsters kazaz that got hit with the lawsuits um but uh actually what it really reminds me of is prohibition right like yeah. they they uh, in the 1920s they amended the constitution to make it like legally like completely incontrovertible that it was like alcohol was banned and then after like 10 years they realized that was a stupid idea and had to repeal it with the 21st amendment yeah it's like a stupid idea that like after 10 years people are gonna be like what the heck were we thinking and they're going to reverse it so we just have to suffer through it for the 10 years or so you know it kind of throws in the wrench in the the whole development towards like account abstraction because with like the, the, the treasury and IRS is saying like, if you use an EOA, so if you just use an EOA, which is like a user owned uh, like account or like your address, user account address, then it's fine. Like you can make transactions, especially if you have your own like data, like no one's going to stop you from using Uniswap or anything, uh, especially if you have like a open source wallet, like there's, there's nothing that they can do, right? It's, it's other people that are running these services. Um, and so when you think about like some of the recent proposals, like ERC-4337, uh, which like is a smart contract that is being maintained by someone um, and that there are like bundlers who are taking transactions in, that seems like it would get caught up in that. And you, like that contract would have to have some sort of like forced KYC AML checks in there, which is crazy, right? Like it just pushes, it just pushes like the user experience way back because the account abstraction was a big step in the, in the right direction. You know, it would essentially allow for like full smart contract usage, uh, no more EOAs and, uh, bundling transactions as well too, to keep gas costs down. So I'm, I'm interested to see how this goes. Uh, we did see some, well, not interested. I think it's, it's pushing, going to push more people outside the United States um you know we yeah, saw think, it mm -hmm. yeah just prohibition where people are just going to keep using it in the united states anyway and it's going to be so many people that's almost going to be unenforceable like it, it hurts the like you say it hurts all the people who are like developers and trying to build stuff in the united states like that can't happen uh which really sucks for the united states but you know us it's it's i, I like it it's like taking away your kid's library card as punishment like you're only hurting the kid yeah i think it's i think it's a feels like an expansion of FATCA, which is the Foreign Account Tax Compliance Act, which uh, like requires that foreign financial institutions uh, report on the foreign, like essentially all foreign assets held by U.S. account holders. So if you're a 
U.S. person living in France, like the French bank that you actually use has to report your entire bank holdings to the United States. Um, and it's led to a lot of people actually, a lot of Americans not actually being able to like find banking services overseas. People just don't want to take on U.S. customers because it, it adds in this whole other layer of complexity. Um, you know, at some level, like the only way to escape the uh, yeah, like U.S. like if you're a U.S. citizen, the only way to escape is really to renounce. And we've seen this with some of like high profile people uh, inside the crypto space and outside the crypto space, because, you know, if you take that tax hit, because when you renounce, you, you have to pay, they essentially tax you at the short term capital gains on all of your assets. But once you pay that and you leave, um, you know, you could find a, a citizenship, which is like more uh, uh, like optimized towards whatever area you want to live in or, um, you know, have the availability of, of, not having these extreme measures placed on you as a U.S. citizen. It's one of like the biggest hangups and uh, unfortunate outcomes that resulted from 9-11, where you know, the U.S. wanted to essentially scoop up all transaction and financial data in the wake of uh, the terrorist attacks because, God forbid, there be another you know, million dollars that funds a terrorist attack like outside the United States or inside the United States. And it led towards like sweeping uh, restrictions on all like financial institutions and pretty much where we are today, where we have this like authoritarian and uh, widespread uh, like a AML policy, which like doesn't even work. I mean, if you look at some of the uh, like data that I've seen on uh, money laundering, most of the money laundering things that we have like controls uh, don't actually work <laughs> they only capture like a very 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 small amount of what actually occurs and uh you know the treasury even says that the majority of of money laundering takes place in cash not in crypto um so i i don't know i think this is i, I like seeing how like widespread these guidance rules are uh it makes me think that the, this is not just about enacting like kyc aml it's more about uh, uh, just like shutting down uh, crypto as a whole inside the United States. So I would expect legal challenges to take place. Probably will go, you know, up the court system. Uh, and this is going to be an ongoing issue as we go into the next election. Yeah, there's also like a maybe 40% chance, according to prediction markets, that um, that there's a change in administration and maybe the next administration is friendlier. So who knows? Yeah. Even if something passes and uh, the and the new administration comes up, they will for sure uh, replace it, right? Like uh... not necessarily. Like I, in my opinion, like you change the figurehead in the United States government, but the same like ninety five percent of people still keep like implementing the exact same policies. So it would take a concerted effort. Um, but yeah, there have been some like Robert Kennedy Jr. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, Ron DeSantis have all voiced at least some like support of Bitcoin. I think there's like about a one percent chance that they get in power, though, is the only problem. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's bigger. Like, even if like this is what like Trump talked about it was like draining the swamp, draining the swamp, right? Where like even if there's a change in power, all the bureaucrats who are in these uh, departments 
on the federal side don't get swapped out. Um, you know, everybody right. that's, that's in Treasury. Yeah. Concerted effort from someone at the top to change it. And Trump is also like has been exposed to have like what five million dollars worth of Ethereum or something. Well, so, no, yeah. I mean like he's been exposed that like he's he's not able to actually change anything inside the bureaucratic system. That's what, you know, he had four true. years. He had four years to like uh, to work within it and didn't absolutely nothing. So like the whole drain of the swamp thing was just like a ruse to get people to vote for him. Um, and, and he's just, you know, the likely nominee on the Republican side. So it's very likely it's uh, going to be Biden versus Trump again, which is such an embarrassment for America. And neither of the people are likely to change anything. Yeah. You know, there's a much easier way to go about this. Like uh, the, the IRS, like, could have just partnered with Chanalysis and said, okay, Coinbase, okay, Kraken, like just share all of your like user withdrawals to us. Give us the addresses of where all these funds go out. And then we'll just use Chanalysis to to track these funds. And then we can kind of like make the the estimates ourselves, right? But uh, I think this is gonna like just cause so much of an undue burden on uh like a, a single app developer can't can't institute kyc ml and in, in his in his website right um it's kind of crazy <laughs> you know we should really uh, have a stronger uh, lobby right well it's already passed i mean that's the issue is that the, the the bill is already passed so the only thing that can be do, done at this point is to uh, send comments so there's a 60-day comment period where people can send in comments based to try to effectuate this. Um, and like, unless there's sweeping changes in both the Senate and the house and the exact and the presidency uh, next year, possibly there's nothing coming and we could be looking at this for a long time. Um, but it's hard to say it. And, you know, at the end of the day, like if, if websites just have to geoblock and us citizens just have to, copy and paste transactions instead somebody will figure it out like honestly like the ingenuity of developers to allow for shitcoin gambling is insane and um you know nobody wants to stay inside a, a wall garden like <laughs> it's crazy to think that like the end game here is that you know you can buy ethereum and solana and avax on coinbase but you can't even use it can't even like take it out or withdraw or like use it anywhere once you actually buy the stuff it's kind of crazy yeah they want all the control yeah they exactly control. speaking of DeFi advisors haircut i actually wanted to bring this up this is uh <laughs> <a> comment. <laughs> did you see this comment um that was that was sent today uh let me let me just um let me upload Some this. funny stuff today about my haircut for sure. Uh, well, this was an older one, right? So this was a this was a comment from the Robert Lukaku, or Luaku. Yeah, it looks like a true super fire pilot. Exactly. Uh, so this one this one came in about your previous haircut, Defi Advisor. It said, "Why is Defi Advisor showing up to the interview uncut, looked like on drugs?" And Robert could not show proper respect for the interview finding a good connection, stabilizing his phone. He on his way to save the world. Well, it's good that you got yourself into a drug rehab program, DeFi Advisor. Day by day, guys. Day by yes. day. Let's look at it. Like on drugs and, and yeah. Uh, and lay off the fentanyl. <laughs> That's US stuff. We don't have that here. 
uh, yeah, what do they have there? Like maybe just maybe just good old opium, right? Um. <laughs> Let, let's try to keep the stream as educational as possible you know? yes exactly <laughs> uh, so uh, speaking of education we have a arbitrum address a multi-sig you can see this little qr code up here uh where you can donate to leviathan news and you know what just recently we received a big donation our largest donation ever uh, we talked about this last time. Somebody sent us like $150 worth of ETH. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Um, Respect. Yes. That's great. Really, really love everybody who tunes in and supports the show. Um, okay. Let's move on. Let's talk about Janet Yellen's. I don't know. What are we going to talk about Janet Yellen's? Like nothing, right? They're like often in wyoming like raising champagne glasses talking about how they've nailed the interest rates see how that goes um all right we got a story another one of MakerDAO's loans that it uses for its collateral is at risk of default so MakerDAO has lent 1.84 million dollars into centrifuge and that centrifuge pool is at risk of default. So centrifuge lends it out to control freight, which uses it for trade finance. And that is now under distress. So um, control freight had borrowed $2.7 million and is at risk of not paying it back. But it's only $1.84 million and maker is like $7 billion at the moment. So while it is a dent, it does highlight the risk of these like RWA loans uh, to I don't know, strange countries and not just buying treasuries. We just recently had something similar, uh, maybe with Goldfinch. I want to get confused. Yeah, actually, that was a different RWA tokenized credit uh, that was issued out. And, uh, you know, that one defaulted as well, too. That was for like a Kenyan bike company. So, yeah, got to be careful with those because <laughs> they do lose money. Like, if it's not treasuries, like, there definitely is the risk of default. Yeah, yeah. And... RWA is still a very risky move. And although it's uh, quite a huge narrative, like, uh, someone's going to have to be able to perform this, uh, like, uh, properly. And mm -hmm. it's going to be quite difficult, to be honest. I, I don't know how, how, how can it be done. <sighs> well... Let's talk about friends. Frentech volume is down over 90% from the highs, probably even more now. Uh, the little flash in the pan that it had is uh, is kind of over. And we're now into the dregs again. Actually, if you do look at volume, so they were doing what, like, I don't know, uh, a few thousand transactions, and now they're doing uh, like a bit more, right? Maybe twice as many transactions now. So it did help, and there are significant bumps. Like if you look at the lull between uh, what was previously and then now, there is a significant increase in user size. And the, they are still collecting fees. So Frentech has collected a total of $4 million in fees. And half of that goes to the influencers. Uh, we did see Frentech announce that 
it allowed uh, pictures <laughs> all, uh, over the weekend, right? Um, which I think is something that the uh, some people have asked for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people were buying up eGirl shares ahead of time, expecting that that would uh, be really good for the OnlyFans contingent on Friend Tech. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it worked too. Natural. Um, but I have been seeing a lot of interesting, um, like, uh, friend tech stuff come out, right? So Dasha, uh, OX Dasha, who is, uh, who is here, right, has uh, been working on something called MetaKeys, right, where yeah. uh, what they do is with MetaKeys, let me see if I can find this, MetaKeys DAO essentially goes out and buys multiple keys for uh, themselves and then you're able to like connect with um, everybody that they have keys for yeah i actually minted the uh, those yesterday when i uh when i saw this Did felt you? A bit, uh, i felt opportunistic not financial advice of course but uh, i like this kind of uh, opportunistic uh, means have a thing for them <laughs> so you can mint one for 0.1 ETH right now. Yeah. And there's still 700 left. And I think like they take all of the, uh, they take all of the ETH to go out and buy more keys. Yeah, yeah. They're, going, they're going to have like a portfolio and I think it's going to be, I read somewhere that it's going to be focused on uh, NSFW uh, content. That's what I heard as yeah. well too. Dasha was talking about that on her, on her telegram. Um, so interesting stuff. I think there's still a lot of alpha to be uncovered inside of friend tech. We just don't know what it is yet. Um, and maybe it, depends a lot on e-girl thoughts well for my sake i'm gonna go ahead and invest any profits i make because i got a little money sitting there into people who are watching the show so if you're watching the show oh, make hey. sure to uh, dm me or shoot me a message on uh, x and i will uh if i got if i can afford you i will uh go ahead and buy up your keys well and and he's definitely not sending you any fee picks so <laughs> not not unless the price of bitcoin goes down too far <laughs> you know what to do boys and girls <laughs> uh, let's see what else yeah speaking of OnlyFans, they actually bought some ethereum uh, that came out in their most recent uh, financial statements they had bought 20 million dollars worth of eth currently uh, worth about uh, half of it i see right is it did they buy at the top I think they bought it uh, that it's a report from uh, 2022 and it says like that uh, mm. currently the ETH is worth uh, like a little over than half from what I saw, right? Mm. Well, riding it like the rest of us. Yeah. Uh, Showing real commitment also, to the narrative. Yeah. Also, One Inch's investment arm went out and bought $10 million worth of ETH as well, too. Yeah, that one's a bit more interesting because they're actually pretty good at timing the market. Like, if you look at their history, they kind of bought back in January through March when it was around 1500 and then sold it off uh, when it was higher in the summer. So, uh, yeah, interesting stuff if you're following their trades. Yeah, and also we have Robinhood has now become the 
third largest BTC holder with 3.14 billion or sorry, $3.1 billion of, of Bitcoin and 118,300 BTC has inflowed into, into Robinhood. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. There's kind of like interesting stuff going on in my opinion with regards to Bitcoin. Like it's never the most interesting coin. So we like almost never talk about it, but I noticed this one uh, came across my timeline the other day. The hash rate is like exploding and yeah. Like I back when I was like only paying attention to Bitcoin, like I followed the hash rate pretty close because it's like the best proxy I can see for Bitcoin demand amongst miners, right? Like if you're a miner and you're like willing to flip on your mining rig uh, because you're hoping to like, you know, expect the Bitcoin prices going up, like you 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 tend to see the hash rate go up. So it's like either some of these miners are going to get hosed because price of Bitcoin is going to stagnate, or they're like buying because they know that it's about to go up. So who knows? Not financial advice. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the hash rate market's kind of crazy and uh, how fast it develops. And this is a non-log chart as well, too. So it's a little bit hard to read, but it is straight up. Yeah, like there's still demand for mining Bitcoin is like the takeaway from the increasing hash rate. So it may be good going into a happening. We'll see. We'll maybe another cycle will continue. Um, yeah, we also saw like uh, we didn't post this as a headline. We were thinking about it. Like there has been uh, some more investment this past week into the cryptocurrency uh, arena. About fifty million dollars worth of investment. Half of that was to uh, mining company. So there's still VCs they're putting money into mining. Very cool. So also uh, we had um, let's see PayPal dollar, which we talked about in in length. A while back uh, has seen sluggish growth in demand since it's launched and you know could be the bear market could be a bunch of other stuff like lack of uh, incentives on curve and and other dexes uh, and also questions around its its safety and usage as well too that um, curve pool would solve everything for them i don't know why they don't take the plunge exactly yeah. uh, curve usd is doing pretty good so <laughs> Leviathan will get an OnlyFans account if we get this video to 100 likes. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm selling. Uh, I'm shorting OnlyFans if I can. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but I guess it's to be expected. We're in the depths of the of not just bear market now, but winter. It's it's going to be winter for a while. They need utility uh, for so it, right? Also, yeah, exactly. Who? Who would you want uh, PayPal USD now as a user? Like, I, I think it's something that uh, PayPal is going to, like, the way I envision it, at least, aren't they going to mostly use it at first, like, behind the scenes, like, when they uh, transfer stuff between merchants and uh, whatever? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. if you buy PayUSD, how do you get liquidity on chain for it? Like Exactly. Yeah. How you can swap in and so out? A right? Curve USD pool would solve it if anyone at PayPal wants to uh, yeah. yellow in. Exactly. Maybe Backwards they wanted up. that uh, OTC uh, deal. Maybe they're mad that they didn't get uh, an <laughs> OTC deal. <laughs> uh, so we also had a treasury proposal from Mantle to take, I believe, sixty thousand, or sorry, sixty million USD. 30,000 ETH and 120 Mantle and invested into an eco fund 
as well as other applications as well too. So they're going to like seed a bunch of different projects on Mantle with liquidity and hopefully it plays out well for them. Crypto grants are something uh, quite amazing, you know? Yeah. Uh, what's your guys's like, do you have any, do you have any ears to the ground on what's happening with Mantle? Like finger in the wind, just, just another L2. I mean, they have so much ETH, like it's, that's the issue, right? Is they've, they're one of the largest ETH holders um, as a DAO. Um, so, I mean, something has to happen, right? We should try and get someone on from there. They're like, do you have any? Yeah. I don't know anyone. Um, okay. So, highly profitable trader, oh. Avi Eisenberg, uh, was allegedly caught with child pornography <laughs> oh after God. the FBI uh, started digging through his hard drives as he's been in custody. Curve is probably not coming out of jail for a while. Yeah, so, uh, Curve Shorters, this is this is who's on your team. Look hard at your life decision. <laughs> Decide exactly. Yeah, you know, you can you can be along with Michael, and or you can be on Team Child Pornographer. <laughs> Good, yeah. The normal jailcast is better than this. <laughs> I think we have like a new meme for. Uh, uh, for Twitter here, this is this is your this is your like competition, like curve shorters. <laughs> uh, so wait, what, what's happening with with Curve USD? I heard there was some big news. Um, so there's been a bunch of changes over the weekend. I think the biggest ones that might affect users would be that there is a few new markets that opened up. One is the new SFRAX ETH market. Um, in order to get users to migrate, this is currently carrying some lower borrowing rates. Uh, the initial one was capped at 10 million. This one's capped at 50 million. Uh, there's also a new market that opened up for TBTC from Threshold Network. Uh, this one also has a cap of 50 million, which is about 20% higher than the actual like market cap of TBTC at the moment. Um, in my opinion, like if you're a Bitcoin person and you're not looking at least at using uh, the TBTC or WBTC markets, you're just leaving money on the table. At the moment, it's 2% to borrow, and there's a lot of places that you can yield farm, uh, Curve USD, or even just um, you know, do, do what you like with it. You, know, you can trade it for other assets and uh, and have protection against like losing any Satoshis uh, should you enter liquidation. Um, or like if the price actually goes up, then you're just in like a healthier position and you made money off the exchange. So I would be looking heavily into this if I had uh, BTC bags, not financial advice. Um, there's been a few other interesting changes that are uh, taking place. The Chainlink Oracle is no longer being used um, to kind of reinforce or serve as a failsafe for some of the um, uh, any of the pools. And we're also seeing a proposal from Mitch to actually double the trading fees. Uh, right now, it's one basis point. Just move it up to two basis points. For soft liquidation. This is for soft liquidation. Yeah, for users that are in soft liquidation, those get traded through the LLA, MMA, LLAMA markets. Um, and basically like users had been taking a, a basis point off that it's going to be up to two basis points. And because like curve USD is the only place for these markets, it's like, it only affects arbitrageurs. So it makes a lot of sense. Why don't they raise it like five basis points? Might, right. They could, it's a monopoly. So monopoly pricing. I mean, you think that it should raise up to like what Uniswap prices would be? for whatever sort of trades on these things, like 30 basis points for soft liquidations. Yeah, so according to the proposal, uh, let me pull that up. Um, 
the llama internal fee, which I didn't understand or realize um, was the case. Uh, there's, I guess, a llama internal fee that's already at 60 basis points. So this is just basically mm-hmm. uh, affecting like the actual like fees that flow to people. Um, so it's like an incremental difference right there. But you know, if this goes through, like we've already seen that like Curve USD is the fees are already accounting for like 20% of the ECRV revenues. Um, so this you know potentially could like massively increase it. And then if volume and TVL keeps flowing, then it could actually like become the preponderance of the ECRV fees. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. <clears throat> well, uh, very cool to see that. I like the new markets, obviously. And yeah, I think that's mostly it for today. Oh, yeah. Balancer. Okay. Let's talk about Balancer. Last week on Thursday or Friday, we reported that the Balancer team had some great comms. They they said that, you know, get out of these pools. They're at risk. Take your money out. Uh, we found an exploit. And then over the weekend, somebody actually used this exploit to drain $800,000 from two Balancer pools. And the question really is, is if, if Balancer knew about these exploits, why didn't they just exploit it themselves? Like, why leave the funds in there for someone else to come in and, and just take? It's a good question. Um, now, I wonder, like, who knows what's going on inside the war rooms? Um, I've talked to a few of the people who were in the Curve uh, hack war rooms. And, like, in a couple of cases, they were trying to run these exploits themselves, but it wasn't straightforward. And they got beaten by hackers by just, like, a few minutes. So maybe the same thing was going on with Balancer, where they were trying to engineer an exploit. Um, because when you're exploiting as a white hat, you have to be a lot more careful than when you're exploiting as a black hat, right? If you're exploiting as a mm-hmm. black hat, you could try it. If it fails and like it borks things, who cares? If you're exploiting as a white hat and you bork it, then you customer funds are at risk. So maybe that's the situation and they just couldn't get to it in time. Or maybe they thought they gave users enough notice and it was on users to get the money out. Yeah, but it seems... <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm mixed here. I think they probably should have tried like probably should have tried to to go after it. And if they bork it, it was going to get stolen anyways. So why not? Um has there been any has there been any reporting on like what that what that uh exploit was? I haven't looked into it to be honest. Okay. Maybe we should get someone from yeah. Balancer on the show to talk about it. If they, uh, I know, obviously, in like <laughs> trying times like this, it might be difficult to get someone on, but we'll see. <laughs> but it's just weird that they didn't execute a white hat attack if they knew the if they knew about the vulnerability. Um, it's just strange. Very strange. At least they get, at least they were able to like recover most all the funds, and that only eight hundred thousand dollars is was exploited. I guess. Um, oh yeah, let's talk about Pepe. Did you see the Pepe drama? Like, I I question the meme coins as an existence of reality in which we tell ourselves <laughs> that uh, you know things are all kosher and everything is great. And uh, then we just get shown time and time again that these Anon teams have no morals and they will just end up rugging 
I mean, in this case, it's only $15 million. I mean, let me, let me repeat that again. Three, apparently, three of the team members from Pepe stole like $15 million from the multi-sig. Uh, and then lowered the multi-sig to two of nine, but are still on the multi-sig. I, let, let, let me just go back here. Okay, so over the weekend, people saw some Pepe flowing out of the multi-sig. They were like, what's going on? They didn't really know what was going on. Well, uh, one of the Pepe developers comes out and uh, yeah, bought a nice Lambo. One of, a few of them bought a few nice Lambos. Um, and then the Pepe developer, or at least the Pepe account, comes out and posts this crazy, crazy announcement. Uh, they said, a series of unexpected transactions took place from the Pepe multi-sig. Uh, sex wallet right which has 16 trillion pepe tokens worth about 15 million usd transferred to various crypto exchanges right um and then the required signer count was reduced to two of eight okay they still have 10 trillion tokens and one signer it says one signer remaining but that doesn't make sense because it they just reduced it they didn't actually remove anybody um and they said that the, the account was still in good hands but uh they said there was some like infighting with like three of the signers, three ex-team members came came back, logged on to the multi-stig and like stole 60% of the of the the sex wallet fun, uh, funds. That's crazy. <laughs> and then they write and then they run it through the central exchange wallets. It like like were there any risk controls at the centralized exchanges that probably knew what these wallets were? And if they see you know, $15 million being moved out, there must be some stuff going on. Uh, it's crazy. Actually crazy. I like, this isn't, this isn't even like the craziest story. I mean, th this is kind of crazy, but let's talk about some other crazy stuff because, uh, we may be outlasting BitBoy, who over the weekend, oh my God, can we talk about like Twitter search? Like Twitter search is I'm, like, terrible let's get rid of friend no friends see if we can oh let me get rid of airdrop as well can we talk about like how bad twitter search is in <laughs> the wake of um ugh, sorry guys it's gonna get our stream taken down let's just stop sharing that anyways uh ben is apparently like the only left. fans account starts now <laughs> yeah i know uh <laughs> so uh, ben is apparently like left uh, here we go. His like network, and now he's like doing some other stuff. He's like parting ways. Bitboy crypto team announces parting ways with Bitboy after Bitboy claims there was a mutiny at his company, and uh, apparently some people are saying that Bitboy was under investigation as well too. Uh, so it's uh, unknown what's happening. Bitboy is actually like living in Dubai now, so I don't know if they can actually prosecute him that's where suju's actual as well um crazy stuff if if bitboy goes to jail i think a lot of people will be happy right because he's the person who saved crypto <laughs> yeah went on saving yeah. it in the bahamas right yeah we're in dubai right i think he went chasing uh, uh svf you remember that yeah i do remember that yeah that was that was good memeable content. <laughs> so why why did why did they, he and uh, his team uh, split? What happened though? Uh, so here's the 
here's the pick. Let me share this. So it just says somebody like shared an internal doc a pick, right? That says like ATB, hello ATB guests, effective immediately. Ben Armstrong will no longer be working with Hit Network, BJ Investment Holdings, and all subsidiary brands, including but not limited to Bitboy Crypto and around the blockchain. Um, I don't know. Maybe his shareholders were unhappy with how he was acting recently. Yeah. Maybe he's maybe he's uh, getting investigated by the feds. There's there's no real explanation for what's going on. This bear market is not leaving uh, many many things uh, at its place. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, Even Bitboy, man, come on. Yeah, kind of crazy. I mean, this timeline is getting just weird at this point. Like, we're no longer in a bear market. We're in we're in winter, uh, so we will be here for a long time. And we're gonna have to get more like jail cast and and yeah. conspiracy cast. Like, who, who's left? Like everyone's already in jail. Like, uh... oh, I can think of a few people. <laughs> uh, me, Garrett, you, obviously. Thank God for now, man. Who else? Who else can go to jail? Um, yeah, SPF obviously is going to go to jail. Yeah, yeah. Whether whether you're doxxed or not, chances are that uh, you know. After <laughs> you. No, Kobe's not going to go to jail. Kobe just like sits around shit posting all day. Uh, unfortunately, like shit posting doesn't get you to jail yet, but maybe in the future. Yeah, who knows with the legislation that the U.S. is uh, like uh, keeps keeps uh, pushing forward. Yeah, who knows? Oh yeah, yeah. Logan Paul, hopefully Logan Paul for his like NFT rug. He took like over a million dollars, and he's definitely a millionaire and hasn't returned the funds yet. So. <laughs> Is even getting called out. <laughs> uh, yeah, crazy stuff. We'll be back tomorrow, hopefully on a better note. We have some wonderful guests this week, and we will be back. Squid and Squidettes. Big G, Defy Advisor. Goodbye, folks.